Hello and welcome to Hawks on Tap with Stephen Jeef. This is the uh, boring off-season edition. Jeef, uh, it's uh, it's January. We're out of the playoffs for the first time in a long time, and there's not a lot going on, so we're forced to talk about coaching changes. Are you ready to do this? Oh, yippee! <laughs> <laughs> Should be a good time for sure. Hey, let's let's jump in and let's maybe start. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball here. Maybe start with the easier one. So yeah. Chris Richard around for, what is he, two years, three years as a yeah. defensive coordinator? Yeah, I think two maybe. W- one of those. Yeah. Seems like seems like two. Seems like was too l- long. Yeah, <laughs> definitely too long. <laughs> he was around much too long. And uh, after uh, a little bit of back and is he going, the, the Pete Carroll does end up letting him go and we hire Ken Norton Jr. in his place. And uh, Ken Norton, recently the defensive coordinator for the Raiders, uh, but Seahawks fans might know him because he was our linebackers coach several years ago during our good run. So uh, Ken Norton's back in town, and and how do we feel about that, G? Well, I mean, I like Ken. I liked him as a player. Players seemed to like him. But uh, I wonder, how did that Raiders defense do this year? I mean, weren't they like the worst (laughs) in the entire NFL? Yeah, I think they were 32nd in uh, defensive efficiency. Uh, How many teams? 31st to 32nd. Yeah, there's there's 32. Well, ah. it depends if you count the Browns or not. But uh, <laughs> they, so yeah, it, I guess so. That's the downside of the Norton hire, right? Is that uh, they finished last or near last both years as defensive coordinator, um, and so it's pretty easy to look at them and say, hey, he obviously can't get it done, but. Yeah. But what did the Raiders' talent look like on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, I mean, they've got arguably one of the best defensive players in the entire game in Khalil Mack. They got Bruce Irvin. They got they brought in Navarro Bowman. The secondary, I think, is where they really were hurting. And I'm sure Ken is looking forward to uh, working with the Legion of Boom again. Absolutely. So there's a lot of people that see this hire and really think, you know, this is less about finding somebody to to scheme better or – or even coach better than Richard did, and more about just getting back to toughness. Uh, Norton's known as a tough guy, accountability, high energy, keep people in line, you know, that type of thing, and that and that more than some master defensive scheme, that's what the Hawks need more than anything, just some toughness, because they've turned into a bunch of <laughs> soft pusses lately. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, and uh, I don't love the Ken Norton hire, but ironically, it's actually one of my favorite ones that we've done so far. <laughs> So that's, that's pretty telling about this offseason so far. Yeah, overall makes me a little nervous, but the, the fact that there's clearly something going on and people are focusing on something other than football, uh, as we kind of saw at the end of the year when we've got two of who appear to be our most normal players, you know, Bobby and Earl, having a Twitter feud, like you right. expect that out of Sherm or somebody. Clearly there's more going on than we understand. So to get a coach in there who may very well get in fights with players, uh, I think it's probably a good thing for this team on that. Yeah, no, I just I agree with you there. I, I think Ken will bring some of those intangibles. You know, I mean, it's it's always tough to measure a guy just by what he does with a different team and, you know, the talent. I, I think he, he could do very well in Seattle. Yeah. How do you measure a guy? Well, I don't think I can say it on the air here. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. So let's jump over to the offensive side of the football here. And this is where, you know, we are all really clamoring for significant changes. And uh, the main thing was to get Cable out of there, you know, rightly or wrongly. Based on the information we had, you know, that Cable was in charge of picking the linemen, in charge of the run game, an assistant head coach, which basically made him coach of the offense for the most part. 
uh, he just had to go. Yeah. And maybe there's more information that would make us feel differently. But based on what we have, that was a bit of a no-brainer. Um, but Cable went. Daryl Bevel went. The quarterback's coach, Tater Smith, is gone. And so let's take these one at a time here. So in, in its place uh, of Bevel here is, is uh, Schottenheimer, Brian Schottenheimer. And so Brian Schottenheimer, again, very similar to Ken Norton, maybe not the last defense in the league, or, you know, last offense in the league like Norton, but, but hadn't produced a ton of results in his time as, a, as an OC. So what do we think he's going to do in Seattle? Uh, I mean, it's pretty easy. I mean, if this guy's last name is Smith, he's not in the NFL anymore. I mean, he's, he's absolutely <laughs> terrible. He's in the NFL because of his last name. And I don't even think his dad was. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I, I just don't love the hire. Funny story about him that I read um, when he was the offensive coordinator for the Jets and working with Rex Ryan. They, they were playing in a playoff game, and, and Rex said before the game, we're going to run the ball 40 times today. We're, like, we, we're running it 40 times today. So they, sure enough, they get in the game. Schottenheimer's calling all these run plays. They're down 20 to nothing or 20 to three or something, and it's like halftime. And Rex is like, okay, dude, uh, you know, I know. I mean, we're down by quite a bit. We might have to uh, tweak some things here. And he's like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm trying to get those 40 runs in. And uh, Rex is like, well, dude, we're getting our ass kicked. Like, we need to change it up. And sure, shit, they switch it up, and then they end up coming back. And, I mean, Pete looks at that as like, oh, no, I, I got a loyal guy that will do whatever I say, which I get. But, I mean, I, I just think this guy's a puppet and somebody that Pete can just control, which, you know, Pete's going out on his, his last couple of years here, and he's going to do it his way. And, I don't, I don't know. I, I just don't like how any of it's really setting up. Yeah, well, the, the, the good news is if we go back to that 40-run scenario, uh, Pete won't ask him to change in the second half, even if we're getting our asses kicked by 30 points. <laughs> right. So in this case, he gets to see it through to the end, which, which, would, be, which, would, be pretty, which would be pretty awesome. So, yeah. Wait, the, mas- the master of halftime adjustments, Pete Carroll, won't, won't change it? Exactly. Can you win a game in the first quarter? <laughs> no. Exactly. So, you know, I think it's a, so there is some concern there. You know, certainly Marty Schottenheimer's dad was known as the, even in the era of conservative football, he was known as one of the most conservative coaches. So I think that is definitely cause for, con, cause for concern. But, you know, sins of the father, right? Maybe are not the sins right. of the son. So we'll see how, how Brian decides to do it. But on the flip side, right, you also got to look offensive coordinator. When you run the numbers of who has success, well, it's highly coordinated with talent. So, miraculously, the offensive coordinators who work with all pro quarterbacks end up being really good coordinators. Imagine that. So, yeah, and Schottenheimer, I mean, he gets criticized for working with Mark Sanchez. Obviously, I mean, there wasn't a lot of, that he could do yeah. there. He gets criticized for the Rams offense in which Sam Bradford kept getting hurt every single year. So, I mean, that's two of his pretty high-profile stops that he's judged on where – you know, he didn't necessarily have, he definitely didn't have a Russell Wilson yep. to work with. Um, so I, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and at least give him a shot. And, uh, you know, while it might not be exciting yeah. about the hire, I'm willing to keep an open mind here and uh, hopefully he does some good. Give him a shot, see how it goes. <laughs> exactly. So, and so last year he was, I believe, he was quarterback's coach in Indianapolis, correct? And yep. so Andrew Luck injured, of course. He's always injured. What's new? Uh, but Jacoby Brissett, basically uh, nobody's idea of an average NFL quarterback, um, put, put up a pretty decent season there with, with Sean right. coaching him. So um, even though we don't have much to look back and say, hey, he had these years of being a top offense, et cetera, et cetera, 
there is a bit of a track record as far as quarterbacks improving or offenses maybe improving a little bit uh, under his tenure, uh, you know, even with, with decreasing talent. So, so yeah, yeah I, that's more of a silver lining. I, I guess I guess I'm more saying that to make myself feel better because there's nothing too exciting about it. <laughs> but right. really, I think we know the Hawks are pretty simple, right? The defense, they're getting older, so they're going to decline a little, but they're still good players. So defense is going to do what it's going to do. You know, my biggest, my biggest, uh, you know, negative against Schottenheimer is he took an offense that had Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb at Georgia and turned them into like the 80th ranked offense in the NCAA. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's hard to do. That is hard to do. I wonder, do. I wonder what happened there. Yeah, it's, it's hard to know, and it's going to be hard to know till he gets in here and, and figures things out. But we all know, look, we, we get one and a half more decent offensive linemen, and we get our offensive line up to average or a little better. And then after that, it's all about what you can do with Russell. If you can maximize what Russell's doing, we're suddenly a top 10 offense every year without, without skipping a beat. Um, if we're going to have another year like this year where maybe Russell puts up good fantasy numbers, uh, but is one of the more inconsistent quarterbacks in the league, which is what we saw, uh, th- yeah. then the offense is going to struggle. Even if the yardage looks good, we're just we're not going to be consistent enough to win games. Right. Yeah, I mean, my my sizable jet tells me <laughs> that I, I don't like to to build around not Russell Wilson. Like, I, I feel like it's counterproductive to... I mean, I want to I want to build around Russell, but I I, I know that's a, not the way Pete wants to play. He wants to run the ball, um, you know. But then you look at what the Rams have done. I mean, a quarterback doesn't need to throw it fifty times to be good. Like, I mean, I think if you give Russell Wilson twenty five to thirty pass attempts and they're efficient, that's where we want to live. Yeah. You know? um, look at what the Steelers did last weekend against uh, Jacksonville. Like the best defense in the NFL. Roethlisberger throws five hundred yards and five touchdowns and they lose. Yep. I mean. It, it's just it's just not a winning uh, scenario. Yep. Very well. No, it's not the way no that, that's a really good point. And so also part of getting the quarterback moving, right, is getting a, getting a quarterback's coach that we like. So this podcast may end up dating itself pretty quickly, but we had some news this morning that the Hawks may be interested in Jim Zorn as their quarterback's coach. Which, uh, which every Russ has its Zorn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> every Russ does have its Zorn, and we and we need one. I'll tell you what. You know, some of the instant reaction was, "Hey, Zorn." You know, uh, he went from Seahawks quarterback coach, so he was basically Hasselbeck's primary quarterback coach. Took the offensive job in Washington, and was clearly a flop there. I don't think you can argue that. Um, he's twelve and twenty in his time there, I think, or something like that. So really didn't didn't do well, and then uh, didn't do a whole lot in his uh, jobs after the Redskins. But at the same time, it's Jim fucking Zorn. Like right. I don't know what real Seahawks fan wouldn't be thrilled with that. Like they could appoint like if, like if John L. Williams was a quarterback coach, I'd be excited. Like we gotta like yeah. any any true Seahawks fan has to love Jim Zorn being involved in what's going on right now. Oh yeah, I mean that that's. I saw that this morning and I was pretty excited. I was like, that would be pretty damn cool to see Zorn back here, you know, coaching Russell Wilson. Just, I mean, can we bring back Largent and Walter Jones? Let's bring them all back. You know, let's get Kenny Easley coaching the secondary. Yes. Uh, maybe maybe uh, Kelly Jennings also, yeah. which would be cool. <laughs> that is, I love that. That would be fantastic. A little, a little buzz. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, and everybody. Everybody but the Tez, right? R.I.P. You know, we'll have to we'll oh. have to bring back Jacob Green and, and uh, some of his older compatriots there to take care of the D line. 
Joe Nash. Joe Nash. That's exactly right. <laughs> the man. The man. So yeah, I'm excited about Zorn because look, if we're gonna if we're gonna be this weird dramatic team that gets our asses kicked, we might as well have some Hawks legends to to have around while we're sure. doing it. We're, we got to get to my favorite hire. My favorite That's hire, it. the offensive line coach, Mr. Solari. Oh, I almost forgot about Solari. Mike Solari, who came, where was he last year? Was it the Redskins? Uh, the, uh, not a good place. The oh, Giants. the Giants. <laughs> yeah. They might be Giants. So, <laughs> they, they might be, but they probably are. <laughs> but, but neither is our offensive line is also not Giants. Uh, unless you're calling them giant pussies, in which case they are definitely giants. <laughs> so the biggest. But at any rate, we, we clearly needed a change on the on the O line, and I don't I don't know. I, ironically, uh, I think he's the only other offensive line coach I've ever heard of. It was like Cable Solari and yeah. I guess Howard Mudd. They always say his name. Um, right. So it's funny. It's one of the ones I've heard of, but uh, you know, I don't. I'm not equipped to to judge an offensive line coach. I don't know one from the other. How do we How do we determine if this is a good hire or not? I just think he's running a little bit of a man zone scheme, which is always good. <laughs> it's good. It's good to mix it up. I, you know, I think I think I've heard some talk about us actually trying to block the guy directly in front of us, which could be pretty cool. Um, instead of letting guys just shoot right through our backfield and destroy the run plays before they even, start, you know, I think that'd yeah, be, we've that'd be you cool. know we've tried the last two years. We've tried the other way where we don't block people. And we just uh, try to try to block the linebacker and let the defensive lineman through. So, dude, if there was a stat for like blocking air and falling down, we would be number one. We would by far be number one. It would have a PFF <laughs> Pro Football Focus rating off the charts, without a doubt. The air, the air blockers, <laughs> the air, the air blockers, exactly. Sponsored by <laughs> Nike, our whole O line just blocking air. <laughs> All day long. So anyway, we've got to do something different, right? We've got supposedly athletic linemen who could be capable, whatever, but they just, they can't block shit. And they seem to be confused and they're not picking up stunts on the blitzes and it's just not happening. So we need a new O-line coach in here to to at least try something different. I just feel like it's going to be a season of all of clamoring for the days of Daryl Bell. And, and I thought I would never say that, but I just think that's what we're looking at. Yeah, we, we really could. It's, you know, if Daryl Bevel had a, you know, decent offensive line, what could he have done? You know, maybe right. he would have been fantastic. There's no telling. Or if Daryl Bevel didn't have to freaking deal with Tom Cable, yep. you know? Yep. I mean, that I guess that was part of the confusion is having two guys there. There was no one person for accountability for them to look, for the team to look to. You got two different voices. And you know what? When you got two... You really don't even have. Whoa! Hey, look at that philosophy. That's brilliant. <laughs> Dropping it on them on a That's Saturday. Deep for that you one. did hella deep. So, I you know as far as I, not in a dramatic sense that I want more information and and get all this finger pointing out of the coaching staff, but uh, I would like some information to come out here as as we enter the new season, just about what Cable's responsibilities were versus Bevel's and talent evaluation and who was responsible for what. It'd just be nice to know kind of where the breakdown was. Because it really feels yeah. like we maybe don't have all the information we need to to make our, our casual fan judgments about what went wrong. Yeah, I'm sure that will come out in the uh, 30 for 30 in a few years. <laughs> um, when they when they go back to one fateful evening in the desert when the, when the dynasty died on one plate. It call. did, it did. Well, but we're going to save that for another podcast. So, all right, yes. we're, we're at our limit. There's the coaching staff. That's all we got for January. Hopefully we get some bigger news here in the next few weeks. And uh bring you a little bit more entertaining subjects. Thanks for joining Hawks on Tap. Chief? Yes. Thanks, buddy.
Thanks. All right. <laughs> Later. Later, boys and girls.